Welcome to the Mortcast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com, where you can go pick you up uh, for either, I'm not sure how many bottles are left, but you can get some of that Red Zin. Uh, that is finished in whiskey barrels, uh, extra alcohol content in that because they're finished in whiskey barrels. So keep that in mind. Uh, but it's a really great flavor to that one. Uh, or you could have the 2017 Cabernet, uh, which is really good. Or, uh, the, um, uh, the Blake street blend, which is, uh, um, well, blend wines are interesting because you're really depending on the person who is curating the wines in order to get, get a perfect kind of blend there. Blake Street Blend's really good, and I, I highly recommend it. But they got other wines. they got Colorado wines. they got uh, um, uh, whites. they got uh, rosés. Basically anything you need, even wine cocktails. If you go down to BFW, to uh, Blanchard Family Wines in the Dairy Block or their location in California. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blick and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com where you can book yourself a virtual wine tasting, which is pretty popular during these uh, winter months. So uh, take advantage of that now while you still can. You can go to Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, I'm going to be talking about something that's been bugging the crap out of me. Um, and I think I think we, as, as sports fans, get caught up in tribalism. Uh, as much as uh, our country is divided right now in various factions and, and for politics and all that stuff... Um, Sports falls into the same category, and um, particularly since we have an online culture and you uh, are in constant contact with other people who disagree with you, it kind of creates a, uh, differing opinions um, in a sense that you you just entrench into your camp and you become... It almost becomes like if you like this other person... Um, you suck because you can't like this person and like this other guy. I'll be honest with you guys. Even though I don't like Joel Embiid's reliance on free throws and all that stuff, I'll be honest with you. Um, it is hard not to appreciate the, the, the man being dominant, uh, particularly going through the Eastern Conference right now. And what he's been doing the last month and a half has been, well, very good. I think we all need to stand back and to kind of appreciate what Joel Embiid has doing. It it is it's it's different from what Nikola Jokic does. Um, he does it more in a scoring and uh, rebound, uh, scoring in defense, I should say. Um, but Nikola Jokic does his uh, center work in a completely different way, and I think. We kind of get into a, if you like this guy, you can't like this other guy thing. And I'm going to approach this a different way. And Nikola Jokic, you can tell, and this I've, I've made this point over and over and over and over and over again. Nikola Jokic does not care about MVP awards. Uh, he doesn't care about, I mean, you, you, you saw his, you uh, read or heard his description of uh, the All-Star nod that he got where he was playing a video game and his wife came in and told him, and he's like, um, goodbye, because <laughs> he was playing a video game. He doesn't care. This is not how Jokic thinks. Um, and I think that's what makes him good. 
because he doesn't rely on the uh, the the whole carrot and stick thing of of awards and validation that way. He's just not motivated by that. And at this point, actually, I don't even know what motivates Jokic. And maybe that's what makes him great. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Jokic uh, is hard to figure out. Um, what motivates him is his horses, I think, actually. Um, so the Nuggets, uh, 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 Harrison Wynn said something about having a Serb, uh, Serbian appreciation night. I don't think that motivates Jokic. Uh, I think the only thing I've ever seen that really gets him truly happy and motivated is video games and um, uh, horses. <laughs> so if it's horse appreciation night, I could see it, uh, particularly in Denver. He's lived, he's been in Denver since 2015, folks. I mean, he knows what the city's about. Um, but on the flip side of that, there is a there is a feeling that I, I think you have to be in either or camp. And let me just kind of take this in a more meta uh, a, a way. And I'm going to talk about this as we go through this. So I'll take a break in the middle, and this is going to be a one-subject podcast. Um, we need to understand that the NBA um, in about 2001 decided it hated centers. And this is undeniable. Um, because of Shaq's dominance, we've talked about this a lot. Because of Shaq's dominance, um, the NBA decided to change the rules. A lot of different things were going on at the same time. Uh, there was a talent dip in the, in the league in the late 90s because of the expansion. The NBA expanded <clears throat> excuse me, before they should have. That was the Jordan boom. Uh, 1995. That was the popularity explosion that happened with the Bulls' first three championships. <clears throat> and the NBA, about, let's see, their last expansion was 89. Um, it was six years later, they expanded again. They, they expanded too soon. They probably should have put that off until the mid-2000s. But they did the Canadian expansion in 1995, and it really diluted the talent in the league. And um, quite frankly, the basketball that was being played from 95, 96 to about 2003, when <clears throat> the fabled 2003 draft came in, was pretty, pretty bad. It took several drafts of talent for replenishment from the 96 draft to 98 draft and the, uh, uh, the 2003 draft to really restockpile the league. And... One of the changes the league made was the decision in, 19, in 2001 to basically allow zone defense to eliminate the impact of an unofficiatable center in Shaquille O'Neal. And even though Shaq was still having some great effect after that, the effect was to limit that sort of thing. <clears throat> and Shaq really was the last of the big-time dominant centers. Tim Duncan was not a center. Don't come, don't come at me. Tim, Tim Duncan was a power forward. Um, so the last of the big-time dominant centers was basically Shaquille O'Neal. And you could make an argument of Dwight Howard coming in in 2004. Um, Dwight, uh, I have a hard time putting him in Shaq territory. Um but he did have a brief peak that basically ended in 2010. Um, but, but, but what we're seeing, my point is that the NBA changed these rules the, then and then altered hand-checking rules in uh, 
2005 uh, during the lockout, which basically ended the era. That was the coup de grace of the last era of the of the dominant centers. And quite frankly, because of this, um, the center position became de-emphasized largely in AAU, and skills were not cultivated the same way. You could make an argument that Anthony Davis is a better center who doesn't want to play center. Um, but aside from that, there wasn't any, everyone who came in, I mean, the, the great example of this is Andrew Bynum. Uh, Bynum had all the skills you could possibly have as a center um, and had no desire to work or even play basketball. I mean, you could, you could say that Andrew Bynum did not enjoy basketball and he played it because he was tall. Uh, that, is a, that, is a common, that is a common thing with big men. The whole, uh, I'm just doing this because people told me that because I'm tall, I should do this. And that happens more than you think. Um, Kwame Brown, um, uh, Eddie Curry, who ate himself out of the league, um, all those guys. Um, and I think a combination of that and the fact that the NBA basically said we want the lane open. So the traditional back-to-the-basket center was basically eliminated. Um, the quick double, uh, the zone defense and the fact you could double quicker um, really started eating away at any concept of having a back-to-the-basket center. Now, there were face-the-basket centers like David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon, uh, but both of those guys were long gone by the time... Uh, 2003 um, and uh, uh, Robinson's last year came around. Um, So it took really until the 2014 draft for things to come back around to the center position and not in a way that people were expecting. Um, Obviously they, they focus on skill and I think I think the notion of skill is a misnomer. There were the, if you look at the footwork of the great centers of the '80s and '90s, you, all of them had great footwork and great skill. Um, it was just applied in a different way. Um, there is an effort the, the lack of physical lack of physicality being something like skill is kind of a misnomer. That's not necessarily true. If you read the book uh, "Blood in the Garden," which I'm going to be doing a podcast on here soon. Uh, it talks about those bruising Knicks teams who those were all skilled guys who were just good at what they did with that sort of thing. Um, skill is more than one thing, but Embiid is one of those guys who came into the league from Kansas and he was considered to be a sure thing. Um, but he has, and still had, and still has injury problems. Nikola Jokic, uh, was completely unheralded and, very few other than Kalen Deremo, who was writing for Ramble Mining Company at the time, identified uh, Nikola Jokic as that dude. Um, and quite frankly, Yusuf Nurkic, who was drafted that year, was expected to be that center. Boogie Cousins came in in 2010. Boogie was an almost great center, but whose emotions made him completely unreliable. 
and you've seen it. It just it is one of those things that has come through the league that some guys just like like I said, like um, Andrew Bynum, Kwame Brown, aren't emotionally or mentally right at a certain time to capitalize on their skill. And as great as Boogie was, uh, he was always going to have a shorter shelf life due to his uh, due to his issues with staying on the court, be them anger or whatever. And then eventually his injuries got to him. And quite frankly, um, he's been good for the Nuggets, but um, it's very clear he's doesn't have the same same amount of physical skill that he had five years ago, six years ago. Jokic and Embiid are changing the game. And on the other side of this podcast, uh, I'm going to talk to you about what they are doing and how we as basketball fans should appreciate this and, uh, you know, see what's happening because uh, it's, it's, it's going, it's special. It really is special. All right. I'd like to talk to you about directing sportsbook. Um, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. And that means only four teams left for you to bet on it. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Um, you can also take advantage of the, uh, same game parlays, um, friend of the program and former co-host Nate Timmons, uh, uh, was taking advantage of the new NBA, uh, app where you could see the end of games and, uh, he was loving it and he made some bets and he, he made out good yesterday. So take advantage of that. Part of it was same game parlays, folks, same game parlays. Um, that's a way to make your money work for you. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with uh, same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbooks for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. You know, Embiid and Jokic and what they've been doing, but particularly the last, since the 18-19 season, um, when Embiid has been mostly, well, not mostly, but more healthy than he was before, is that they have shown that centers can once again dominate. Um, And of the two... Joel Embiid is much more of a traditional center. Um, he is more in the Elijah Wan vein. Uh, he can face the basket, and um, he's got a spin move. He has the skills that you associate with with Primera Elijah Wan. Uh, he's got the Ewing drop step, um, which is which is you know you guys know how much I like Patrick Ewing. Um, 
he is he's got both of those things down and he has the occasional three point shot um really on that in that sense he is a dominant offensive player um on in point scoring plus he is a a rim protector which is the traditionally what you want a center for you want the guy in there to block shots. I mean, even in the, that 2000, 1994 series where Elijah Wan and Ewing matched up, um, Elijah Wan dominated offensively, but Ewing had, I think, the record for blocks in a seven-game series. Traditionally, you want a guy, a center, to be able to occupy the paint and block shots, and and Embiid and, and does both, and he does it in a tremendous way. Jokic, on the other hand, um, has different skills on defense that don't immediately get noticed. He 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 has quick hands, and gets steals, um, and he knows where to position himself to occupy space. And sometimes, when you're a center, all you need to do is occupy a space. You don't need to swat a shot. Um, impeding progress is just as good as blocking a shot. I'll be 100% honest with you folks. And if Jokic is able to do that, um, he's able to expand his offensive game in in really, really neat ways. Um, But his offensive game, his defensive game in many ways, now his offensive game is based on orchestrating the offense, which is not what Joel Embiid does. Um, Jokic is the orchestrator. Um, there were some clips that were shown uh, when the, the Nuggets played the Bucks, where he Jokic was just told Monte Morris to go to one corner um, and Aaron Gordon go to the other, and <laughs> um, it was it was a good or Austin Rivers, I think, yeah, it was Austin Rivers and, and and Monte Morris. He said, "You guys, you over here, you go over here," and then he zipped a pass over, got a three point shot to Monte Morris. And that is what Jokic does. It's not quote unquote a point guard thing because I think calling Jokic a point guard does a disservice to his post game and his post game is tremendous. Um I've said on multiple occasions that his post game is Shaq esque and people had kind of laughed at me. But it's an absolute, absolute truth. Nikola Jokic is a bruising, dominating post player. And Joel Embiid is not a post guy. He's a face-of-the-basket guy. Um, those two guys are occupying <clears throat> the center position and doing things in different ways. Why can't we appreciate this? You know what? If Joel Embiid ends up winning the MVP this year. It's not a slight at Nikola Jokic. It's not. Um, Jokic won it last year. I mean, we the constant, and I think it's a Twitter thing, the, the need to, to, to cheer for the validation of a guy who's been validated is not necessarily needed because the guy doesn't himself doesn't want the validation. It's okay to want good things. But... I mean, appreciate, and I think maybe it sounds like I'm being cloyingly um, um, pedantic right now, but I, I I just want people to know that what we're seeing right now from the center position has not been seen in years. We have not seen this since the days of uh, Ewing, Elijah One, you know, <laughs> Shaq, 
um, the days where the sinners roamed the earth. Uh, David Robinson, you could you could make an argument that Joel Embiid's more like David Robinson. Um, they have similar bodies, to be honest with you. Um, they they have that. I can't draw a comparison with Jokic because he does so many other things. I mean, people say Arvidas Sabonis, but Sabonis didn't orchestrate an offense. He was just a good passer. So they, he would stand out on the three-point line um, and throw a pass to the interior. Um, or he would get in the post and pass out to the three-point line on those Portland teams. Um, and before that, he was a little more skilled. But Arvidas Sabonis didn't orchestrate an offense. That's, that's unique to Jokic. Uh, Jokic's ability to get people where they need to be is is great, and you need players around him that are okay with not having that level of control of their offense. I think I think that these guys doing this this year should hopefully change the mindset that you can't have centers in uh, the modern league. Yes, the league still, to this day, hates centers. They want uh, guards and wings to be able to have impunity in the lane. And I don't necessarily ever see it going back to the days of the 90s. But you may see more players like Jokic and um, Embiid. You may see guys that uh, understand how to use their skill and understand that there is just not very many centers in the NBA who could stop you. That may even out eventually. Uh, I hope that it it does because I think the NBA badly needs diversity in its offensive game. But um, for right now, appreciate the fact that Embiid and Jokic are are doing things in a league that just hates centers. And... Being in the MVP conversation, despite all of that, I mean, look, even Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is who's basically a seven-foot wing, um, who dribbles the ball a lot, he's not he's not a center, um, but even then, he's a big guy. You know, before that, it was like all guards and small forwards who would, who won <laughs> the league MVP. Um, you know, with LeBron and, you know, Kobe and, you know, guys like that. Um, Curry, you know, it, it's, you you need to really appreciate the odds that are stacked up against both Embiid and Jokic. And the fact that they're thriving is, um, it well, brings uh, joy to me as someone who's lost, watched the, the league since 1987. So keep that in mind, folks. I mean... Yes, it's okay to cheer for Jokic. It's okay. But if he doesn't win the MVP this year, it's not because he is invalidated. All right? It's because Embiid's also having a fucking fantastic year. And I'm just appreciating what I'm seeing right now, and I, I hope that people will be able to do that too. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.